Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread and these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered, Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the people sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. Um, Father, I ask this morning that you would speak through these lips of clay. Father, we, we need a word from you, a revelation, a word, Father, that will set the captives free. Father, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by your spirit that we're changed. I ask, Lord, that as I speak, that you would use my lips, my mind, my mouth, and, Lord, you know the needs of the people who are here. And I pray, Father God, that you would speak revelation to them and bring them to a point where their lives would be forever changed by what they hear today. Father, it is a tall order, but you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And, Father, we reverence your word this morning. We thank you and we praise you. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. Give me a little bit more mic. Amen. Well, we have been in a series, and believe it or not, this is uh, the longest series I've ever done was, I think, something like 12 series, 12 teachings in one series. And it dealt with, and it ran for like a couple of months, uh, and it dealt with discipleship. And so I had, uh, I was, we've been in a series called Culture Transformation. And so actually, I was considering closing it down last week, and then as I was praying and, you know, how God just kind of revealed things to you, he kind of changed that. And so today we're going to be continuing in part six of Culture Transformation. And what we have been doing in this series is really taking a look at the life of Jesus 
and how he interacted with people. Um, we understand that there's a lot of misinformation about Jesus. People come up with their own rules and with their own ways of thinking about how Jesus was. And so what we decided to do was to take a look and just see how Jesus interacted with people. And we have discovered that, yes, Jesus sat down. He ate with sinners. Amen. Uh, he hung around uh, prostitutes. Uh, we've seen him show mercy uh, to people who were caught in sin. We, we've seen him operate and how he moved and set people free. And, and, and so what we have been learning and understanding about Jesus is is just really how he was effective in reaching the masses. And my prayer this morning is that as we listen in on the word of God, and actually, and if you haven't seen the series, what I would like for you to do is to go online because this is a six part and really begin to ask God to speak to you because this whole series is about how we can be witnesses to people that we interact with. How many of you want to reach people for Jesus? And so what we have been talking about in this series have been designed to teach us and so that we can look at how Jesus did it so that we can do it like Jesus did it. And if we do it like Jesus did it, how many know that we would have the Jesus kind of results? And so uh, that's what we've been doing. And so today we're going to take another look at Jesus. And the title of the sermon, if you want to put one down, is called The Provider. How do we know that Jesus is our provider? One of the things that the Lord has to deal with all of us is this issue of self-dependence. Self-dependence and self-reliance is one of the biggest enemies to the cross of Christ. Because from the time that we are born into the kingdom until the time that we leave this earth, God is always going to be trying to wean us from depending on ourselves. Our society, everything about our, our society, our generation teaches us to depend on ourselves, to, to look out for ourselves, to look out for number one. How many know what I'm talking about? But when you come into the kingdom of God, God begins to teach you how to rely on him. You remember that if you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, and, and Adam and Eve, when, when Adam and Eve, and they sinned, when they ate of the forbidden fruit, from the moment that they did that, there was a disconnect. In other words, there was a time when men could just talk to God, and there was not, we didn't have to seek him. Like this Wednesday, we had a time of fasting and prayer. There was a time that, you know, the men just talked to God, and it was just, just open dialogue. But then sin came into the picture. And when sin came into the picture, there was this disconnect. And Pride set in, and men begin to seek out their own way without God. How many know we're still dealing with that today? That men, we're living in a generation, we're living in a society where people are more dependent on themselves and their own human wisdom. And sad to say that we have to deal with this way of thinking even within the church. Because sometimes even after being saved, and knowing what the Bible says, we still have a tendency to want to rely on ourselves, our own wisdom, our own ability. And one of the things that you get a real good revelation about at the closer you get to Jesus is that he is really the one that is your provider. Can somebody say amen? amen. 
And we come to recognize and realize that it is because of him we have what we have. We do what we do. We're able to succeed, not to succeed. Anything in our lives, all of it come from him. And God wants to bring us to this point where we recognize that everything that we are and everything that we have come from him. And not only that, but we live our lives and we act like we realize that it all comes from him. You remember the story that Jesus said about the rich man? And he said that it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom. Jesus didn't say that because he was discriminating against people that were rich. How do you know God blessed rich people too? I believe that God wants his people to be wealthy in him. Amen. Now, so the rich man comes and and he's, he's all happy, you know the story, and he's like, Lord, I, I've kept all the commandments, I've done everything I'm supposed to do, and Jesus said, okay, cool, but you lack one thing. You got to sell everything you got and give it to the poor. The Bible says the man walked away, and he says it's hard for a man to enter, a rich man to enter into the kingdom. You know why it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom? Because riches gives you a false sense of security. See, riches make you think that you don't need God. Because, you know, you see, it's very, very easy, watch this, it's very, very easy to, to give God the glory and give God the praise when things are going well, when you got food in the cabinet, food in your refrigerator, things are going well. It's easy to give God praise then. But, you know, some folks have gotten to a place in their walk with God that even though they're blessed, they forget where that blessing came from. Well, you say, Pastor, you crazy. What are you talking about? Because sometimes we forget. We don't take care to make sure that we're praying like we should. We don't seek God like we should. But boy, the minute somebody say, well, you got trouble, you lost a job, you have an illness, you have a sickness. I mean, no, people, people don't, it's not so hard to get people to pray then. But what, what, about, what about when things are going well? What about when things are, you know, when you have everything you want? Do you praise? Can, can you still seek God as if he is still your provider? Can you seek God? Can, can you come to him and say, say Lord, say, Lord, I know that you are my provider. If I, if I have it, I'm good. If I don't have it, I'm still good because I know that whatever concerns me, you're going to take care of it. He is our great provider. And so crises, let's talk about crisis for a moment. How many of you would say you're going through a crisis right now? Amen. <laughs> crises have a way of bringing you to your knees. Crisis. We spend a great deal of our time trying to avoid crisis, right? We spend time in our lives trying to get away from trouble. We spend a great amount of time trying to escape that which always seems to hunt us down. Trouble. But how many of you would say that it was because of the trouble that you went through that you got to know Jesus in a more profound way? I want you to think of it. I want you to think of it this way. See, you can't really get to, you, you don't really get to know Jesus when it's all going well and good. You know, the time you really 
get to know him is when you're being tested. When God really shows you who he is, he puts you in a situation where you have to depend on him. And that if he didn't show up, you ain't going to make it. God just have a way of just showing up when you're in a situation where it seems like it's an impossibility. So God, you, you know, you, you, you learn about God. You learn about his character. You, you learn about his personality. You learn about who he is by the things that you go through in life. Jesus, how many know he suffered? Jesus went through some stuff, did he not? Amen. But he was blessed. He was anointed. How many know Joseph went through some stuff? But Joseph ended up being the Second in command of all of Egypt. Amen. See, people of God have gone through some stuff. I mean, King David went through some stuff. He was running for his life for many, many years. But during all the process, during those times when they were being afflicted, they were learning to depend on him. What are you depending on today? Who are you depending on today? Jesus says something in Deuteronomy before we get into our text. Jesus says something. He says, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want, he spent a whole book almost in Deuteronomy teaching the people of God, saying to them, I want you to remember where I brought you from. And it's this constant remember, 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 remember. These were the people of God. Why? Because the people of God have amnesia. And we forget sometimes. We forget that if it had not been for the grace of God, I wouldn't be who I am. I wouldn't have what I have. I wouldn't be able to do what I do. And so God brings you to a point sometimes where he squeezes you to get you to, get you to, to know him deeper in a more profound way. And, and we say, Lord, I want to know you. How many of you have prayed that prayer? I mean, you really prayed that prayer when you really said, Lord, I want to know you. Well, let me tell you something. To know him, sometimes you got to go through some stuff. But boy, you know, some of the most powerful testimonies are people that got delivered from stuff. You never know how awesome God is until you experience his great deliverance in whatever it is that you're confronted with. Because when you come out of a trial, when you come out of a situation, when you come out of that thing, you're in a position now of authority and power that you can speak and say, let me tell you about what God did in my life. Let me tell you how that I went through and somehow, some way, God provided for me and I had no way. You see, you see, if everything just happened just nice and good and cool and you never had to worry, you wouldn't get that revelation. But what, what did God do? God said, okay, I'm going to take you through some stuff. And you said, no, no, I don't want to go through that, Lord. Lord said, no, I'm going to take you because how many know we, we ain't where we think we are? And God, God has a way of humbling us. Everybody say, be humble. He will humble you to a place where you have to look up. How many know that's not a, a bad place to be? And so looking at this story, of the five, the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, we understand that 
Jesus, well, let me, put, let me put it to you this way. You and I are going to have to deal with people who have wrong motives. I want you to stay with me for a second. How many know that Jesus knew that everybody who followed him wasn't following him because they wanted to know him? Jesus knew that there were some folks who were following him because all they wanted was food. He knew, he, he, he knew that there were some folks that, that trailed him not because they wanted to know him. They understood the miracles that he performed and how awesome he was. They, 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 didn't, they just wanted what they wanted. And when Jesus was giving them what they wanted, man, they would just kind of follow him. And Jesus had to put them on notice. So he said, look, don't labor for the meat that perishes. Labor for the meat that endures to everlasting life. So as we talk about culture transformation, the temptation sometimes is that when we deal with people, that, that, that it, because their motives are not right all the time, the temptation is to, to shut it down. Well, well, you know what, they're just going to this and they're just going to that. But how me know, Jesus still met people where they were. Because in part, he was revealing himself to them. He needed to let them know that because you don't understand yet that I'm really your source. See, the rich young ruler, that's why he couldn't give it up. Because he failed to recognize, boy, you got that stuff because I bless you with it in the first place. And so God, Jesus always met the need. When people came around, he just figured out a way to meet their needs. He didn't go into this whole big thing about how you got there, what's going on in your life. He didn't go into any of that. Jesus just went. He went around doing good. When people had a need, he just, he met their need. He just met, he just blessed them. And why did he do it? Because he wanted them to know and he wants us to know that he is the source of all things. See, the story of the five feeding of the 5,000, it's not just about fish and, two, and bread. Y'all understand that. This is about trust. It's about hope. It's about what you're putting your faith in. You see. And so if we're going to change a generation, we have to be a people that communicate and our life must indicate to those who don't know him that Jesus is my source. And in actuality, you who don't know him, he's your source too. You just don't realize it yet. And so God will bring us to points where we have to understand. So let's, let's take a look at this. So this is a fascinating passage of scripture. Jesus, the scripture says in verse number six, if you look at that same passage, Jesus, first of all, he had asked question, he had asked Philip a question. Now, how do we know that when Jesus asks you a question, uh, he's not asking you a question because he don't know the answer? <laughs> Whenever Jesus asks you a question, it's a setup. And so Jesus asked Philip a question. He sees all the multitude, 5,000, see all these people. And Jesus says to Philip, how are all these people going to get something to eat? Who's going to take care of all these people? And, and Peter looking over, he said, my God, I, I, I think you just ought to get rid of them, send them away, because ain't no way we don't have nothing close to feeding 5,000 people. It's no way we can do that. We can't. I mean, and, and, and so Jesus is asking Philip this question. But here's the interesting thing. 
The Bible says, right here, watch this. He says in verse 6, but this he said to test him, for he knew what he would do. Did y'all hear that? Jesus asked Philip a question that he already knew the answer to. But he was testing him because he already knew what he was going to do. I'm going to say it because I don't think y'all are getting that. Jesus asked him a question. But he asked him the question to test him because he knew exactly what he was going to do. For those of you who can't get it, Jesus already had a plan. He already met the need. He was just asking Philip to say, where you at? What, what, what you believe in? What you trust in? You know, isn't it interesting that, that, that when you're going through stuff in life that, that God doesn't just, uh, wouldn't have been nice uh, even in your own life as, you know, when God is going to bring you through some stuff that he'd like call a huddle. How many of you watch football? You know, those guys that get together, they huddle up. And they, they talk about the play and the plan. Okay, I want you to watch this guy. I want you to block this tackle. I want you to block you. Yeah, I want you to do this. I want you to go deep. I'm going to hit you over here. You know, usually when people get in a huddle, they, they, they discuss the plan, right? Uh, I mean, Jesus just don't let you in like that. I'm sorry. You know, now there's some things God speaks. Yes, God God has got to show you things as you walk in. I understand that. But, but in, in, in most cases, you, God don't tell you exactly what he, you don't know what he's going to do. See, faith doesn't mean that you have to have all the answers. Faith doesn't mean that, faith simply means that you just got to trust that no matter what you're going through, he's going to take care of your situation. That's what real faith says. So, Jesus was testing him. How many of you right now, as you are listening that maybe you may be thinking to yourself, maybe I'm, I'm going through this and it's a test. God has already figured this out. See, God has, Jesus said this to test him because he already knew what he was going to do. The Bible says that Jesus, Jesus says this, that I will never leave you nor forsake you. Paul says concerning the Philippians that my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Then your question might be, why am I going through this? Why am I going through this? I, sub- I submit to you that the things that you and I experience is, and when you're a child of God, because how do you know nothing, to, concerning the children of God, nothing happens by accident. You hear me? There are no accidents in the kingdom. There, your life is not just kind of like just out there floating and, and whatever happens. No, no. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So I know this. I know that everything about my life, first, it has to come through the king, right? Jesus, God, Jesus got to say, okay, I'm going to let this happen. He got to say, I mean, nothing happens in my life unless he gives the approval for it to happen. So if, if, if that be the case, then the problem that I'm going through, although I may not see fully the solution of what I'm having to deal with, guess what? God already knows what he's going to do. Jesus says that 
He said, when I come back, am I going to find a people of faith on this earth? The Bible says that God is always looking for someone to whom to show himself strong. Could he not? He, he could have fixed it so that the 5,000, he could have provided for them like to the point that they didn't, never even had to get to that point, right? I mean, he just could have just made it a better ease, just gave him food. No, he let it get all the way to that point, and then he looked at them and said, what, so, so what do you think, Philip? And Philip was like, Lord, I don't know, send the folks away. Just get rid of them because we can't take care. We can't take care of these people. And it's like, it's almost like Jesus is kind of gloating in a sense to say, watch what I do. Some of you are going through some stuff right now. You're trying to figure out why. You're trying to figure out how. And Jesus Jesus saying, I am the one that's your provider. I am the one that's going to take care of your need. And so here's what we learn. Look at James chapter 2. Look at James chapter 2 real quick. James chapter 2. James chapter 2. I'm sorry, look at uh, James chapter 1. Y'all still with me? Y'all are quiet this morning. Stay with me. All right, James, here we go. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Watch this. My brethren, count it all what? Count it all what? Count it all what? One more time. Count it all what? Now watch this. When you fall into various what? Are we crazy? What did he just say? Count it all joy. When you fall into various, that means all kinds of stuff. Well, Lord, you ain't never, you know, some of, you know, we go through stuff, we, we act like that nobody has never, ever been, our problem is the worst problem ever. How many know that, that, that ain't nothing new under the sun? Nothing new under the sun. But he says, count it all joy, knowing what? Watch this. Knowing. Here's what you got to know. That the testing of your faith produces what? Patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. This is amazing. He says, when you do the math, I'm not a mathematician, but he says, that when you add up all your problems, at the bottom line, it should say joy. Do all the math. Do all the numbers. Put the numbers together. He said, when you add it up, count it up. Count it up as joy. Because I know that this is not in vain. That's why the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, we can be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the works of the Lord, knowing that our labor is not in what? Vain. It ain't for nothing. I can count it all joy because I know God is building something in my life. I know that what I'm going through, I know if I'm going through a period of lack, I know that eventually God is going to come through for me. That, that, that what he's saying is he's dealing with their, our attitude. What is your attitude when you're going through it? See, the problem, many of us, our, our, our blessing gets shortchanged because our attitudes suck while we're going through a trial. 
We got a bad attitude. But he says, count it all joy. Because how many know that God, that's how God, God how, many of you, how many of you like to take tests when you're in school? How many of you are still in school? Well, those, you know, you got some, you know, when you, I used to, I didn't like tests. I used to think that the teachers were conspiring against me. I looked at tests as something to fail me. I'm going to take my jacket. I'm a little hot. I'm a little warm, so I'm going to take my jacket off. But, but when I was in school, I, I particularly, I wasn't one of those guys that just loved, every time I got ready to take a test, I could know all the answers, and I would still get stress build up in me. Even in college, I, I would know, got to take a test. Oh, boy, I got to get all these right. I'm going to brainstorm this. Trying. As if the teachers were trying to trip me up, and they, and they wanted to fail me. But how many know good teachers don't want to fail you? They just want to prove that you know your stuff. See? The test is not there to fail, to, to fail you. The test is there to prove what you already know to be true. So how many know God gives you a test? How many know God does test you? But God tests you to prove you. God tests you to elevate you. God tests you to promote you and bring you to another level, not to flunk you. That's why he says that we can count it up as joy, because I know that in the end, this is going to work out in my favor. You see, authentic faith and real faith in God must be tested. How many of you understand that? Real faith in God got to be tested. I don't care what level you're on. I don't care what you have in life. Real faith is going to, if you've been walking with God for any length of time, trust me, you will be tested. It's a part of our Christian life. It's what we do. And, and that test is going to vary from person to person. Amen? Everybody's going to have to go through a different trial, but you will be tested. The question is, when you're going through the test, how will you respond? Because I used to love those teachers that used to give me the open book test. How many know God has given you an open book test? He's already told you that you win. He's already told you that you got the victory. He's already told you that, 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 that he's going to be with you. And you already know the end of the story. You win. Then why is it that when we go through a test, we tend to forget that sometimes? We, we tend to get a little flustered and we tend to forget, wait, 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 I'm going through this, I'm, this, is, this is hard. Yeah, and I know it might be hard. I know it might be difficult. That doesn't, that doesn't erase the difficulty of what we're going through. But it helped put things in perspective. That sometimes God, the people that God loved the most, God pushed you through the most challenging of trials. You know, the Bible says, and this is deep, this is a deep concept, but I want you to hear me. The Bible says it, it pleased the Father to bruise Jesus. Did you know that? Did you know that's what the Bible says? It pleased God to bruise Jesus because he knew what he ultimately will bring about, which will be salvation for, for you and for me. And so some of God's most Faithful servant, go through some of the most difficult stuff. How many of you know some faithful servants that's going through some difficult stuff? Faithful people. 
And we think, and they're blessed. But sometimes God calls them to be a leader and to lead and show people how to walk through this stuff. And because at the end of the day, God's going to bring you and I to a point where we got to remember that God is saying, listen, listen to me. I'm your provider and I'm going to use you to be a witness to people out there because people need to know that no matter what you're going through, God will bring you through it. You see, when folks out there, when I talk about folks out there, I'm talking about people who don't know him. I love hearing good testimonies of people come back and tell me, let me tell you about what God did. Let, let me tell you about the problem that I was dealing with. Let me tell you about what I was experiencing. I love to talk to those people who talk about how God delivered and how God brought them out. I love that. Because how many know it encourages and it builds up and it lets us know that our God is on the throne. Hallelujah. So Jesus take the, the two fish and the five loaves. Going back to John chapter number six. How many would you would say that two fish and five loaves can't feed everybody? Five thousand people. Now, again, I'm not a, I was never good at math. I suck at it. <laughs> but I would say if you got five thousand people and you got two fish and five loaves, I would say that's probably not enough. Would that be pretty accurate? Would you say it's pretty hard to feed 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves of bread? But how do you know that God knows? The Bible says he, he knows what you need before you ask. <laughs> God says he knows what you have need of before it even comes out of your mouth. He already know what you're needed before you even get on your knees and say, Lord, help me. He already knows what you need. But it's something about when we turn to him and affirm our need for him. So it drives us to the point that we have to look up. Because God already know he's our, you know, the folks are people who don't know Jesus. They don't, they don't realize that everything they got belonged to God. Do Bill Gates think that money belonged to him? How many know it don't? Warren Buffett, they're billionaires, right? They think all that money belonged to him? No, it don't. Because in it, all of this belongs to God. Everything, the Bible says, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof and everything that dwells in it, it all belongs to him. So then if I'm going through something where God is testing my faith, then I know automatically, automatically I know this, that God is working something in me. God is doing something in me. I just need to be patient and let him do what he's going to do. Because in the end, it has to work out in my favor. It has to work for me. It has to work out in my favor because God said in his word that he will supply my need. And he said in his word that he will never leave me nor forsake me. And he said the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Therefore, I know that what I'm going through, God is with me. And right now, I look, if you're looking in the refrigerator and, and it's difficult, you got to say, God, God's with me. And, and, and there's no food there. You got to say, God's with me. If you're looking at your checkbook, 
into something that, you know, it, it seems depleted, then you, gotta, you just got to confess and believe that God is with you. That somehow God will make a way for his people. Because, and, and you know, and, and, and let's be honest, most of the stuff, I won't say most of, but I mean a great deal of stuff we bring on ourselves. But isn't it good that God still have mercy even in that? That when you and I blow it, God is still there to catch us when we what? Fall. And it's, it's a wonderful thing. And so Jesus, and watch this. So Jesus takes two fish, five loaves, feeds 5,000 people. What was he saying? He was saying this. You must understand that I know what you're going through. I know what you need. And when Jesus fed 5,000 people, he was letting the disciples know and everybody else know that I am the source of life. I'm the source of everything. Everything. You can look to me. I will supply your need and I can do it in a miraculous fashion. How many of you would say that was a miracle? How many of you need a miracle? Well, you serve a miracle God. Why, why, why do you feel like you can't ask God for a miracle? <laughs> we need to believe God for any. The Bible says all things are possible to him who what? Believes. So, so watch this. He fed 5,000 people with two fish too low. Jesus was saying, look, listen, guys, this is an easy thing for me. And he's really saying, now, why are you all worried and concerned about what you're going through? Why, why, why are you losing it? What's wrong with you? Did you not know of all the things? Have you not read about my stories? Have you not seen even in your own life what I brought you through? Why now are you starting to trip? As if some strange thing is happening to you. Count it. Add it up. as all joy. And look at Deuteronomy chapter number eight. I'm going to show you something real quick. Turn there real quick. Deuteronomy chapter number eight. Everybody keep looking up this way. Now, many of you are familiar with this scripture, right? This passage I'm about to read, but I want you to look at it with an open heart. Don't try to jump in front of this thing. I want you to just, just read it as if you're reading it for the very first time. Now watch this. Verse number one, it says, every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. Sorry about that technology. And <laughs> and you shall remember, watch this, that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. Watch this, to humble you and to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Now, now let's stop right there for a minute. You mean to tell me that God allowed me? He, the Bible says that he let them go hungry. He let them Go hungry. In other words, God was watching over it and saw people saying, I'm hungry. How many of you moms, you know, when your kids are hungry, you want to, you know, my wife, when she had little babies, my kids, my kids are older now. And, you know, and, and I used to watch my wife, she, she uh, breastfed all of our kids. 
And, and I remember when they wanted their milk, I mean, they screamed, and Peggy would just jump up, and she would quickly respond because how I many know moms and dads, for that matter, we don't like to see our kids lack. And one of the hardest things for a parent to do is to let their kids cry. My wife couldn't stand it. The minute, the kid, the minute one of my children would start to cry, my wife was quick. She would go running over there, get, get the baby. Can't stand to have my baby cry. You know, I was, of course, I was more like, look, they, they'll be okay. You know, if they fall, their head hit the floor. If they're crying, that's a good thing. You need to be concerned if their head hit the floor and they stop crying. Then that's when you need to be concerned. So I remember one time when Lise fell down and hit her head. I told this story. My daughter back there, Lise, and this big old, I don't know what you would call it, but it just grew. And my wife was standing there holding, my, holding Elise, and she had fell off a swing set. Head hit the edge of a curb, concrete. And we picked her up, and, and Peggy is looking at, you know, they bring, they bring her in, and she was, I'll, I would say probably at that time, maybe three, four, I don't know, maybe, you know, somewhere in there. And, and they bring her over, and, and Peggy's holding her. Well, actually, I'm holding her, and, and Peggy's looking like, what's wrong with my baby? What's wrong with my baby? And as Peggy is saying that, this, this thing just start growing. It's growing. It's growing. And Peggy like, oh, it's almost passed out. I mean, she almost completely lost it. I'm like, well, <laughs> a little patch, you know, just make sure nothing too bad took her to die. I'm cool. I'm like, hey, it'd be all right. You see, you see, the, see the, the contrast is how God does. See, we get, we get all just bent out of shape about stuff. Oh, something bad just happened. Oh, gosh. gosh. You know, and God just sit there and say, you'll be okay. Because what I'm bringing you through, you're going to be much better. You're going to be good. He, the Bible says he let them go home. That means he saw them cry. He saw them go through some pain. He saw them go through it. And, but why did God do it? The question is, why, did God, why does God let any of his children go through that stuff? Could not God make your life a bed of ease? Could not God just make your life joyful, excited, and there wouldn't be? He has the capacity to make it so that you had no problems. Why does he let you go through it? Why? why? Well, okay, let's read the scripture. And you glad you have the word of God. Watch this. He says, verse 2, and you shall remember, look at verse 2, and you shall remember the Lord your God who led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Watch this. He humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might, watch his answer, that he might make you to know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This is God's weaning process. He did it because he want us to live by faith. Now, that's a tough lesson sometimes to learn, isn't it? But, but, but God says, he said he let them go hungry. Now, we know as you read the story in the book of Deuteronomy, boy, they were blessed. He said, I'm, I'm taking you to a good land. Now, 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 now let's keep reading. Now watch this. Let's keep reading. So, so we understand that he humbled them. He allowed them, verse 3, to go through hunger, fed them with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you to know that man shall not live by bread alone, but Men shall live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Verse 4, your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell 40 years. 
<laughs> you should know in your heart that as a man chasing his son, so the Lord, your God chastens you. So if you want to act up, you know God can get you, right? Amen? Amen. Amen. Good. I thought somebody's. Okay. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. Fear him means that I'm just going to obey what he said because I don't want the repercussions of not obeying him. For the Lord your God is bringing you. Now watch this. This is what God wants to do for his people. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, fountains, springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat, barley, of vines, and fig trees, pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones, whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are full, hallelujah, then you shall bless the Lord. Anyway, that, every time I eat and I have a full stomach, I bless. When y'all eat this weekend, y'all eat them steaks, just make sure you bless God. Amen. You shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. But beware, verse 11, that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, his statutes, which I command you this day. God's heart, here's the point of that, that whole thing. God's heart is to bless his people. But in order to get there, oftentimes God would take you. And, and I understand the blessing. How many know the blessing is not for you? You get to get a little bit of it. But the blessing is not really for you. God is making your life a ministry because it's bigger than, how many know it's bigger than things? It's bigger than having nice this and nice that. You know, y'all know what I'm saying. Nothing wrong with that, but it's much bigger than that. Some people get so hung up on that, they just get locked down. It's bigger than that. But here is the key. He said, he's making a point that I'm, I'm letting you go through this, but you need to know that what I'm taking you through is for your benefit. It's to bless you. It's to take you to another level. It's to reveal my character through you. And to make you trust me even more. That's why he says, man, should I live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So simply put, whatever God says, I do. I live by his word. I live by his word. And whatever he says, that's, that's what it means when it says, by, you live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That means that I don't try to figure out, you know, sometimes God, how many know that God will oftentimes require you to do things that, it's going to go against your common sense. Your common sense tells you that I ain't supposed to love everybody. Right? Your common sense says, I ain't going to love everybody. You mistreat me. I ain't gonna, I'm not going to forgive you for what you did to me. That's what your common sense would tell you. But God comes along. He says, forgive. He said, love your enemies. Do good to them. Well, I ain't doing that. Well, then you won't experience the blessing that God has for you. So this whole, this whole process is about God bringing us to a point where we just have to trust in him, that I got to rely on him. Because there's a, there's a tendency for us to rely on ourselves, and we look inward. But God says, no, I want you to look to me, to me. Every day of your life, you look to me. Every day of your life, you believe me. No matter what you're going through, trust me. Believe me. Don't look to the left or to the right. Hear my word and do it. Don't try to figure out, well, what does it really mean when you know what it means? Just do it. 
Now, some people, we don't, we don't want to, when you don't, we, we don't want to obey certain things in the word, that we try to rationalize it. You know, Nike got that commercial, what that thing they say, that, that Nike's emblem? Just do it. We need, to, we need to make that a model in the kingdom. Just do what God, just do it. Don't be asking, just do what God says and watch what God will do. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. That's hard, ain't it? Because your own understanding will tell you what you're supposed to do. God said you got to abandon your own logic. And you just got to follow what I say. Every head is bowed. Every